Brady Smith DDS. Holla at Brady Smith. gentlemen uh i am so grateful and pleased to uh introduce this episode of the drilled with dr brady podcast uh it has been a great honor of mine to involve myself in a couple of different collaborations um it started with our friend steve-o uh a while back now and you can go back through and listen to some of our episodes uh where we had steve-o on the podcast and he made the amazing introduction to uh dr drew penske who is joining us today with his wife, Susan Seiler Penske. Yeah. Did I get that right? You did. Not Sailor. Seiler. It's Seiler, actually. This, is a, this is a rare sighting, my friend. This is a rare sighting. I don't know how you pulled this one off, but uh, getting us, getting her to come on to a stream or a pod is a pretty tall order. So and getting well, my name right. You know well what? done. You know, thank you. She tried to get out of it, actually, just a few oh, minutes I'm ago. Sure. She texted. She's like, I'm are Drew. you sure you don't just want Drew? And I was like, nope. Yeah. I, got, I got questions for you, too. Stay on. I want you guys both there. Uh, to be no, I'm super grateful. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we, I, I kind of want to explain a little bit about how we got to know each other, um, because it was uh, an introduction by Stevo, who you have a a, a great history with. Uh, yeah. You were uh, Dr. Drew was instrumental in Stevo's sobriety, which was something that even Stevo's closest friends kind of didn't think was going to happen or didn't think could happen. He lived quite the wild life and he seems to have reined that in and yeah. and and now he's quite a philanthropic person which people don't really know that about him right oh yeah oh yeah you yeah, know he's an amazing human being and and he was always an amazing human being he was just wasted and and uh, <laughs> right. he used to, he used to always tell me you know because i used to come around and go steve come on man you're gonna have to do something is and finally there was a famous episode uh on corolla's talk show on comedy central where he was completely out of his mind and broke a table and tackled Adam. I don't know if you ever saw that. Footage. I have seen that <laughs> and it's fantastic. So I was backstage with that. And just before that all happened, he goes, Hey man, stop it. Just stop bothering me. He goes, when I decide it's time to do this, I will do it and I will do it all the right way. And I just said, okay, I'll take it. You were usually doesn't work like that, but okay. <laughs> and uh, sure enough, uh, fast forward about two years, I get a call from Johnny Knoxville that Steve was about to kill himself. It's yeah. a long story in there, but yes. he was high on nitrous and psychotic and going to drive a motorcycle off a building because he thought he could fly and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and I said, uh, uh, Knoxville, you have t tied him up a million times. Now you got to do it again. You got to go tie him up, throw him in the trunk, take him to the hospital. Yeah. And he did it. And he is alive today because of uh, Knoxville and, and his friends. Now that intervention, that whole story, um, and it was uh, that whole story is kind of detailed in the documentary, The Rise and Fall of Stevo, which is interesting. Yeah. And you can kind of get the, the details of that story. Anyway, through a, a very uh, awesome uh, series of circumstances, Stevo came on our program and, 
And and I and I asked him. I said, "Do you think this is a, this? Do you think Dr. Drew might be interested in this?" And he said, "You know what? I think this is so cool what you're doing. I'm going to ask him for you." And then, sure enough, not too long later, we got an invitation to come out to L.A. and be on your podcast, and that's when me and you met. And then it wasn't too long after that that you got an email from Allison Riney, who has also been on our podcast. I got an email. She got the email. Yes, she got it. She it was read. Random. It. Yeah, this random. is when this it's is on when. Valentine's yeah, so this is when Susan gets involved. You get this email, and here's what I understand. Um, tell me if this is right or wrong. If you go back and listen to our podcast with Allison Riney, you'll you'll kind of hear the whole story. I'm sure, Susan, you must get an immense amount of emails, and for you to dial in on this one, uh, what was that? Just um, out of the blue. Out of the blue, like I no, mean, you, why was why did you get? Why did you? She told her story clearly. I get a lot of emails that are just gibberish garbage you know yeah. not really sure what they're trying to say but you know they need help i get a lot of you know calls for drew to save their lives every day and sure. you know we can't save everybody's life clearly but i read the emails i save all of them too but this particular one happened to be in proper english and she explained how she was a writer yeah and she had a really terrible experience and this was post or pre-covid so um she was at a black lives matters move uh uh, rally protest march and yeah she saw some people die she got ptsd she was she had kicked uh opiates after years and years of abuse from having medical problems from being a cheerleader or whatever it was mm -hmm. and you know that kind of story was close to me because you know i can understand how athletes can get addicted to you know, opiates. And anyway, she had become sober and on her own and kicked it. And I was like, this is kind of a cool story. But she said, the only thing I can't do is when I write my book about the Black Lives Matter experience I had, I can't smile for the back page. And I happen to be very vain about how I look. And I said, you know what, I can kind of relate to that. But she said, I, I just wish that I, someone would help me with my teeth. And I said, oh my God, Drew, read this. I, I don't know, it was Valentine's Day. I don't, it just was random, but I really liked her letter. It was- Had I talked to- No, no, you, we, I just emailed it to you and said, look at this letter. And you went, oh. And then the next day you said, oh, I have a dentist that's gonna fix her teeth. And I was like, <laughs> how the hell did you do that? <laughs> like, really? Boom. And I was like, oh my God, like, oh my God, I got so excited. And then I said, well, I think, she sounds really legit. We never saw a picture of her. We didn't know what she looked like. I had, it wasn't like she sent me a headshot and, you know, I went, oh yeah, you really could use some teeth or you're really beautiful. Or I just liked her letter and I, it, or maybe it was just some intuition. I don't know what it was, but it was like just a random thing. And I want to say, I do read everybody's letters that come through on a regular basis. Um, when I can, this yeah. was, it just happened to be that, I, I don't know why I even opened that email. So well, a good one, yeah, a good one. It was connected. A, it like was he a, literally emailed it to you, mm -hmm. like within ten minutes. That's how he is. He takes five minutes when he gets an email and he moves on. Um, he gets <laughs> he gives it to whoever, and then I have to book it the next day. So um, I was really really excited. I didn't know what was going to happen. She didn't seem sketchy. She seemed nice on the yeah. in the email. I, I remember worrying about her opiate addiction. Like, well, is this really an addiction or a dependency? Are we going to have issues around that? And it turned out to be a strictly what we call iatrogenic. The doctor strung her out. She does not have real addiction. She had dependency. Yeah. Once she was off, she was off. 
she did not want to get he back was on. worried he's like are you sure you want me to do this <laughs> and that's well, a legit word such a sad story. these stories can get very the, the the addiction part can get very involved and you can get involved with people with their teeth and all of a sudden we got another bigger problem that starts to emerge and it was yeah. my assessment that what that wasn't going to happen right. so yeah, and no, and I think about that. I mean, that's something that that goes, you know, through my head as well. Uh, is yeah. is uh, I read her story, and I kind of got the exact same kind of vibe, which was like, she's just been through so much. Her opioid use started when she was only 15 years old. It was from a gymnastics accident that yeah. occurred, and it was, uh, you know, it, tremendously sad story. That is just one that's very similar to. Thousands and thousands Horrible of people. Medical yeah, yeah. Horrible yeah. medical care on top of everything else. Yeah. Exactly I, I, right. <laughs> exactly right. And then that just does tremendous. Uh, Although she didn't put that in the letter. She said, oh, I, well, we could tell. She you was tell. like, I love my doctors, but yeah. I became an app. Yeah, she recognizes yeah. that now for sure. She recognizes yeah. the where where the where the turn went bad for her. Yeah. She definitely recognizes that. And she's been a treat. She has been a delight. She's been nothing but grateful. I still, we still are not done with her. We put her in a very beautiful temporary situation, and then we'll be having her back in about a month or so. We'll bring her back. We'll fly her back over to, from Philadelphia, she'll fly back over to here to uh, Camas, Washington, Portland, Oregon area, and we'll finish her up. She's healing quite nicely. And she's an absolutely beautiful, charming, intellectual woman. And she, I had no idea how pretty she was until we were doing the show that you were on the first day you met her and we yes. we didn't put her picture up because I didn't even ask for her picture. That had nothing to do with it. Yeah. And then I looked on Facebook and I saw her and I was like, She's pretty. Brady. She's really kind of cute. And you're like, <laughs> oh my God, she really is kind of cute. Like, yeah. I mean, seriously, this was a transformation on the perfect person somehow. It, it's Not, really, it's really, you know, perfect, cute. It wouldn't have mattered. I didn't really care, but I was like, wow, this is going to look really good, you know? Yeah. And it's she been, did. uh, she looks so phenomenal. You know, good. it's a highlight of, of what I'm trying to create here is, uh, is a, is an impactful dental charity that all dentists can kind of participate in and to see these beautiful type of transformations. And then it's just been a, a, a tremendous, um, uh, uh, a tremendous event for me to be able to collaborate with you two. So I, I just am super grateful. It was fun. And didn't through, we have you on with Randy Licious too? Did Randy Pop, from Papa Randalicious, listen, and I told yeah. you, I told you, <laughs> Dr. Drew is cool, but Papa Randalicious has me starstruck because I'm a teen mom, I'm a teen mom fanatic. And uh, I, I know he was very upset with me. He was like, "Hey, Dr. Brady gets all the the opportunities to do to philosophy. How about me?" I'm like, "Randy, you're in. We got you." Uh, you know, there's He's some backstory fine. on that, Drew. We were at a conference where I met Papa Randalicious, whose name is Randy Hauska, right. by the way, and he's the father of Chelsea Hauska, who's been featured on Teen Mom for I don't know a decade well, now, ten years, right? Yeah. So the very prominent figures on on that program, and uh, um. We were at a conference where I met him, and then I was talking about, yeah, I was just recently on the Dr. Drew podcast. It was super cool, and he's like, oh, really? And I did it in the presence of the guy who runs another dental uh, charity, which Randy is involved with, and he's like, how come you're not on Dr. Drew? We could use that. And so he got some crap, he got some crap for that. And, uh, and then I think that's where, you, that's, that's where you got some messages from him, possibly. Anyway, he's fantastic. Okay, so and that, that's how it works. And that charity is fantastic. I, but, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's just uh, dentists wield this amazing power that I don't think the average person understands 
the ability we have to change lives and the ability that teeth can change lives for the negative when they are let go or ruined or damaged, whether it's the fault of the individual or not, it still kind of ruins the rest of their life. You can't really have a stable, you can't have a relationship that you want. You can't have a job that you want. You can't interact with people in the way that you want to, and you can't eat the way you want. I mean, it's just like all the things that we enjoy as human beings are just kind of out the window uh, when this kind of tooth damage is present. And so that's kind of what our organization tries to do. We try to just get that. Her teeth were crazy, though. I could, yes. I've never seen teeth like that before. Like there are pits all the way around, and she had this these beautiful blue eyes, and these teeth were just, it was amazing, the transformation. Mm-hmm transformation you turned her into the girl next door it was like you know before and after pictures and she tells her story so you know hopefully dr brady will put a link up so you can see yeah we'll put some link ups you can see some of the before and after pictures on our instagram uh as well and uh, on our youtube page and we're going to be making we're actually documenting the her whole journey through all this and so when maybe we get, i can send you that little video montage we did and you can put it up on your website or something oh that'd be great yeah definitely Okay, so listen, while I got both of you here, uh, yeah. here we go. Uh, this is more about him. Yeah. <laughs> she's very, she's still nervous, I can tell. She yeah. wants to see what you're up to. Go ahead. Listen, I, I talk a lot. So. I, I heard a rumor, and the rumor was, is that when you two first met, Dr. Drew got rejected. <laughs> that's, oh, yeah. That's the rumor that I heard. Is that, is there, oh, oh, that. is this an internet, is this internet gossip, or is there truth to this? You had a no, first. No, no, it was brutal. Brutal rejection. A, a brutal rejection. Oh, man. I was yeah. 20, okay? Br- I mean, terrible on. rejection. Really, like, heartless. <laughs> like, really, she should still be apologizing. Yeah, we were just talking about Drew getting rejected. Um, yeah, brutally rejected. Brutally rejected so, on his first on his first pass to first to, pass. to meet his future wife. So, and, so there's, and there's I want to hear more about that. It's an interesting payoff to this story. So this guy and I were studying for our national board exams. You take, you take a part after second year medical school, and that's the hardest part. You're like really you're studying your ass off. And we were like going to kill each other. So we go, we got to go out and do something. So we just ran out to a bar nearby, great Costa Mesa, California. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there was this fashion show, and there was a girl announcing the fashion show. And I had this overwhelming desire just to make contact which is not something I'd ever really experienced before. You know, you know, it was very, it was a strange experience. And I tried to talk to her and she just blew me <laughs> off like, like machine gun fire, like, like complete, like, like a mosquito, just show, like, just don't listen to any of her excuses. It was brutality. I was working. It was it, the okay. fact that one human can treat another human like that is, is really, <laughs> I mean, it's something that I, I, I yeah. Yeah, I was just working so, for Diane. So now, okay, okay ready? <laughs> there you go. Is it your end or our end? I I don't know, okay. but we're back. We're back so now. Fast forward two years. Okay. Okay. Fast forward two years. Fast forward two years, and um, uh, I I we meet through mutual friends at the. We're working at the radio station. Yeah, two, I worked in radio two full years before you see her again. I won a contest. And I... Two years again, did not know it was the same person. Did not have any idea it was the same person. Oh wow! But I had a similar reaction, and I did. And as we were sort of like parting ways after this, we did we did Love Line together one night. I just gave her my phone number. I said, "I don't do this. I don't know. I'm just. I know you have a boyfriend, but if, if you guys break up, just, here's my number just in case." Yeah. And then she called, 
and we were I was still dating the same guy and I was ready to get rid of him. And ah. we were dating about a year. When, when dating about a year, you know how you put plastic, you know, on your desks, like a plastic sheet or a glass sheet. Well, and then shove can't pictures underneath of you know oh yes cluttery things like yes. cards and pictures of course of course yeah, so she there was this like picture I was, look, I was at her desk and i look at this picture and i go hey i was at that thing that night I'm like, like oh my god that was you i had no idea until there's a been... picture of me with my girls on and susan you didn't know either until we've been dating like a year Mike and Ah. I didn't know it was him. Oh wow! Until he told me that he was, being an and I laughed beast. so hard I couldn't believe it. I was like, "Oh my god, you were that preppy guy." I was into the rock star thing at that point. I was like, not into it. Plus, I was also working. I wasn't getting hit on in a bar. But um, and he's this med school yeah, nerd. Him. Yeah, not a drummer yeah. for a band. Nerd. Yeah. Nerd. And it worked out. I was ready at that. That was two years later. Listen, I was a dental school nerd, so yeah, I can totally weird, relate. You know, it's weird, interesting. It's interesting though that you don't you have this similar reaction, but didn't know the same. Yeah, but it's fate that we met twice. That's which is weird. Listen, that right? seems that right? seems like a, some kind of a spiritual type of connection. I mean, like a that sounds cool. I mean, that sounds. <laughs> what are the, what are the odds of that? That's amazing. So. um you guys are also, I would consider, uh, I, I call it survive, you're survivors of, tri of triplets. Very slim and lucky. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I didn't know I was going to have triplets. I might have run the other direction at that I point. Mean, <laughs> I mean, listen, I have four kids and they're about three years placed apart. And I understand uh -huh. having two in diaper phases and two in other phases and the advantage of having four you know, one at a time is that the older ones can help out yeah. with the younger ones. But when you have three, yeah. uh, this Still is a lot of people. This is a lot of people. Exactly right. Yeah. So uh, when you found out, you did not know you were going to have triplets. That was a no, surprise. We planned on it. You planned fertility campaign. Okay. Fertility campaign back when they were super multiples were a little more common. They hadn't figured out how to figure that out. But now we watch this show on TLC called The Derricos. And she has like, she has like <laughs> full-on post-traumatic stress. And then I have nightmares. It's a, a, a show with the parents that have 14 kids. Yeah, and then I dream that I'm, I have trip, I am bearing triplets again. And yeah, I'm old she, and she has a really traumatic. I reaction. guess, and the only thing I really think that when I realize I'm pregnant is that we'll definitely keep that piano teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that in my dream. <laughs> that was a good move. Yeah, we have a good. We have a great piano. Teacher. A great but piano he's in teacher. Colorado. Okay. Okay. And you had one one girl, two boys, right? <laughs> Is that right? You yes. have one girl, two boys. Okay. And there, you guys are creeping up on about thirty about thirty years being married, which is also phenomenal. Yeah. And yeah. I had uh, so twenty seven. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 listen, I read, I read, I read 2000. No, I read 91. That's what I read is that you guys got married in 91, but I wasn't That's there. What it is. No, but, next year's 30, right? I mean, that would be, that would be yeah, the, the number. Yeah. 30th. I need a vacation, right girls? Uh -huh. So, um, let me ask you this. Did, um, how did your experience, so you have this amazing, unique experience of being the host of this show Loveline. And that's, I think anyone my age or older, that's immediately what they associate uh, Drew Penske with is Loveline, right? So, yeah, yeah. and you were married at the time, uh, I think, right? You were married at the time yes. you were doing Loveline? 
So yes. were there like instances where like you learned you had this super unique position of being like inside a lot of people's relationships? Yeah, we couldn't hear it. Oh, let him go. Yeah. Do you, do you not hear that question? So not hear it. Sorry again. So you had this super unique position of being like inside people's relationships a lot more than the average person. And I'm wondering what lessons you learned, if any, from like Loveline that like, I don't know, stopped you from making mistakes in your own marriage or helped in your own relationship. Or helped it. And maybe Susan, same question, same question for you, if you can think of anything, because I know you were you were there, too. I mean, I think you were maybe. It taking- might just be just thinking, thinking about relationships a lot and what makes them healthy. I, I don't know. If there's one specific thing, but um, you we know, both we- didn't have good sex advice growing up. We realized right. that there was a real problem and a disconnect with with parents and their kids. Oh, so, I mean, that's that that but, was the draw you know, of love. We agreed on a lot of stuff, and sexuality is like something that I embrace. I don't have a problem with it. You know, a lot of people can't. I like what he did. I found his medical approach to it to be very uh, useful for the community and the world. And I saw people love it. And it was, it wasn't, it was a little scary at first, but he, that show really needed a medical doctor. Yeah. That's the part you got to remember. People think it was a relationship show. It was a medical show. It it was Anthony Fauci telling young doctors like me to get on, get out there and educate about HIV and AIDS that really motivated me to go out. And so it was AIDS that I was, and we were, the there term AIDS messages. had just been invented, but I was, I, my whole thing was, oh my God, we got people like Dr. Ruth out there encouraging all this unrestrained activity. There are biological consequences to that. Mm-hmm. And you can understand what they are. No one is telling you. And there's this thing coming you have to know about. So that was my original naive idea. I'm trying uh, to think how Loveline helped our relationship though. That was his question. Got well, me away out of the house. Yeah. Bit. He was, went to work every night. I had some free time. Yeah, um, she's, she's wishing for that. Now. She's <laughs> Yeah. I'll tell you what I liked. What I what I always appreciated, what still makes me chuckle, is that you would get the most crazy calls with the most crazy things that I've never heard of and the stoicness of yeah. I mean you I mean talk about professional. The consummate professional. I felt like you never cracked. And I felt like yeah. like you could sit yeah. there and listen to like the most insane stuff and be like, hmm. And just really medically professional handle that question and just feel that like a professional from a medical well, standpoint. A, a lot of it was stuff, you know, I worked in a psychiatric hospital every day at that point. So a lot of that stuff was stuff I was hearing and seeing every damn day. Yeah. And, um, and we have a show now called after dark where we do the same stuff. Me and Christina P we answer these crazy questions that people still have them. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It, that, that makes me more anxious than Loveline used to. Why? Why? I mean, we dated for seven years while he was on Loveline. Like, I worked at I worked at K Rock before he did, and so we were together seven years before we got married. So, we were still kind of dating when he was building his Loveline brand, and then, and then when it started taking off and things started going well, you know, we got married, and, you know, it's. It was she. I I thought I was doing community service. She she got pregnant with triplets, and they decided to put the show on five nights a week from once a week, and she goes. You're not you're not doing community service anymore. This, yeah. If you're going out every night, you're getting paid. Yeah. And well, I was they, like, oh, okay, I mean, I'll go was, ask them if they'll pay me. It was a good brand, and it that was in 1991. That time. It grew, and so I let him. Pay, I quit working at radio. I just let him work there because I figured it was sort of a conflict of interest, anyways. And I went back to college, and you know, I just helped him behind the scenes. You know, build 
with his management and stuff to build yeah. his career. Was Loveline kind of like at what point, Susan, did you start to think like uh, my husband's kind of a big deal? Like when did that like start to be like that? Lo- that never happened. That still hasn't happened. Maybe what encouraged her to think that way. Maybe there's some light that could go off by based on your coaching. I mean, I knew I <laughs> he's knew. a big deal. He's a big deal. <laughs> when you know, he, they were doing the pilot and, um, you know, we'd done, he'd done so many episodes over the years of Love Line and he met Adam Carolla and they did this like this pilot test thing. And, and I was in, watching the whole thing. And at the end of the night, they went up, to, everybody came up to said, we're going out to dinner tonight. This was amazing. And I went, I went. They don't buy you dinner after yeah. a pilot. Yeah, she you goes, might, that they means must something. really like it. She goes, that so, means something. I go, what does it mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it means, so we went out to dinner. dinner. And at that do. point, I knew that somebody was getting it finally because we tried so many years to get Love Line on TV and or get some notice of it. So that was sort of the beginning one where I started realizing that he had an opportunity to be on TV. So we had to teach him how to be a television star, you know, how to sit, how to hold his shoes. You, which you know, I hated. Feet, I and, hated it. You know, which way to move but, towards but the camera. Every time, every time she'd make me look at that shit, I would just go, "Oh, god damn it, she's right." <laughs> you had a be- you had a better I... angle. You had a best angle. You had she, literally. She'd go, "Look at Diane Farr. Look at how she looks at the camera." And I go, "I look at Diane Farr." Like... I'm like, "Oh man, she's you know. so right. <laughs> she's so right." I know. He why? Did. Why am I resisting it? I resisted for student. years. Good student. Resisted. Oh, no, I, I almost forgot. So I also understand that there was some singing on the first date with you too that that uh, listen i don't know listen my children i know i know dr drew from love line my <laughs> children know dr drew from the masked singer because right. he was the he was Here. the eagle and when he when dr drew took that eagle mask off and and revealed his face my kids were watching and they and they didn't really know and and my wife said oh your dad knows him and they were like, what? You know the eagle? Oh. And I was like, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, we know each other, kind of, yeah. Your rating went way up right Yeah, you're, in the eyes of your children, you're, you suddenly had, had I know the eagle. He, did, he sang to me. So it turns out, it turns out uh, you have kind of a, a, a very, very um, uh, fine-tuned operatic voice. I, I could make a pretty good sound one time, but it's it's been a steady decline in, in, since middle age. I'm okay. telling you, it's, it's very disturbing. I'm, and you don't recall you don't recall singing to Susan I, on, on the first day? It sounds familiar now. I had forgotten about You're that. I'm, I'm getting yeah, some I, conflicting I stories here. Yeah, no, I think she. I think I remember something like that. I don't know what the hell I, I told was him doing. he was flat. <laughs> <laughs> well, Probably so true. what's you, interesting, you what's interesting, what drew, what, what drew me to my wife, and this is so, so I play guitar, and I played guitar through college, and it was always like, the girls would gather around and I could play a John Mayer song yeah. or I could play a Dave Matthews song or, or something like that. And I did it 100% for the girls, for the chicks. That, that yeah, was it. And then my wife couldn't, ca- couldn't care less that I, that I played guitar. And I was like, she must be mine. I must have her. She, it was, it was that like, I don't care that you, I don't care that you, she does care. She likes that I play guitar, but it wasn't like this, like, Melty, like, oh, and I was like, you know what? That's what I was used she to. She wasn't so it was, your, your groupie. She, was, she didn't fall she for the BS. Real... No. And I was wondering if that was your strategy, too, with the singing, Dr. Drew. Maybe it was, it was I will impress her with my skills and she will be helpless. Hey, I certainly against would me. not 
I, I people have to really ask like they have to force me to do exactly. it exactly she was like i want to hear it i want to hear it i'm a musician it. i loved it i was like oh, yeah. oh, if you can sing let's hear I, it I, yeah. it was fun Listen, I loved you on The Masked Singer. I thought that I'm was great. Like My, that, like, it was fun. I was I was bummed that I got kicked off so fast. I mean, because it, it, it would have been just a couple more weeks would have been fun. Because it really is a great was a great operation. It's in, yeah. it's an, it was an interesting show. I really I mean was it really uncomfortable in that in that? I Not mean, mine. My mask was good. Are they air con, are they air conditioned? Are this like is this like professional quality mascot type of uh, oh, costumes? Oh yeah, yeah. Is oh there AC in fact, the, inside the costume? No, well, I imagine they, they could do they could money. do some, but they they spent a lot of money on these costumes. And, yeah. And the the EP sat me down. You know, they go over stuff before you go out there for your performance. And he goes, "You better last a while because I spent so damn much money on this costume, those feathers." And I was like, "I'm trying, man. I'll do the best I can." Talk to your judges, not me. Yeah. Yeah. Canceled the whole summer of podcasting because we thought he was going to be busy all month and he got kicked off the first week. Man. <laughs> we couldn't yeah. tell anybody either. We had to be like, I was like, oh, we just want to build a television studio in the house. And so we're not going to be able to do shows for a few weeks because Drew's, you know, and Drew's super busy. And, you know, and then and then he got kicked off and I was like, oh, no. But we but we had a good time. It was it, it was well worth it. It seemed like a lot of I mean, it seemed like an amazing amount of fun. That's the other time I realized he made it. That was oh, it. Really? Oh my God. At the same time as my eight-year-old. That's the same time that, <laughs> that he was like, this guy's cool. And I didn't even get to go. I mean, oh, he, was yeah, they, he won't let you bring anybody. I know. I, well, that's are you good at keeping, you must be good at keeping secrets, Susan. Well, they made a sign. Yes, of, of very, I had to keep secrets. Because you can't no tell secrets. anybody, right? You can't tell like so, your friends. Did your kids know? At the very end, I had to tell people because they were figuring it out. And I couldn't lie. I made they. I made a look at the non-disclosure. I look at what you like, signed. <laughs> like, like the day before, kind of thing. Like before he got on mount. Like people were figuring it out because we had to do. He had to go somewhere, and we had to do this thing, and we were like trying to get ready for it. And a couple people figured it out, but they, I could only a day before. So, but then I, my I would my be son a, was the only one. Yeah, no, it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't that hard. It's just, it's just we had to kind of bend the truth a little bit to everybody and wait your kids didn't even know your kids didn't know ahead of time you had to like keep that secret from the kids did. one knew because uh <laughs> this vocal coach started started showing up and and i said ah, i'm gonna sing the national anthem at the dodger game and then she then i turned out having a really the, the reason i've lost some of my range is i've got some serious problems on my cords i had a hemorrhage i have a varicee i had reflux and all kinds of stuff so they sent me in a vocal rehab program oh. And this rehab coach started showing up every day. Yeah. And now my son's like, oh, what's what every day for the dog? I'm like, all right. So I'm he like, had to sign. Take this paper, sign it. Sign and then we didn't you. tell the musician, <laughs> the pianist and the opera singer, because we have an opera singer in the family, another generation, because his mother was an opera singer. He's an opera singer. And then the, yeah. my son was too, and a pianist. And he wasn't allowed to know. And I wish he could have, because he probably would have helped you with his coach. Oh, yeah. He could have coached me. But we couldn't tell him. And, you know, we just didn't want to. He wasn't living here then either. No, and it was. I mean, Jordan was living here, but he he would have figured it out if he was here. Yeah. But you worked around his schedule. He didn't come over very often. So, anyways, the one who was probably would have been the best coach didn't even know. So. Oh. And well, we could have used gotten that free uh, coaching. I heard another rumor. <laughs> I heard another rumor about you guys that you guys are uh, ninety day fiance fans. Yes. Oh my god. Is so, that not the best show? In the world, so we we to me two two things about Night of Fiance. 
Um, the fact that we look forward to that every week is a symptom of how disturbing this COVID epidemic has been <laughs> and how depressed I am and how problematic it is. That Better than the Tiger about. King. It right? is a symptom. It is a glaring symptom oh, of how bad things are. Number one. And number two, I am so pissed off at my friends Tom Segura and Christina P. For introducing you. Because they kept texting me going, Gotta what's wrong with it. this guy's Ash's eyes? This guy, Ash, look at his eye. And I go, well, it's either Beth, hyperthyroidism, or, you know, maybe just he's scared, you know. So they go, you got to watch and tell us. You got to watch and tell us. So we watched the Avery, Avery Ash thing. And I was like, you know, he's, he's terrified of Avery. She's she's something else. You know, he, I had Avery on my podcast. No way. I did. So, so she's a dental assistant. And when the first when the show first started, I'm addicted. Listen, I was addicted to 90 Day Fiance uh, before COVID ever came around. Yeah, she was a dental so she was a dental assistant. And when I watched, I was like, oh, I'm going to find her on Instagram. I DM'd her. She was totally into it. Came on the podcast. We had a great conversation. And she couldn't tell me much because it was mid-season and she can't tell me like how things ended up with her and Ash. Oh, no. And oh. it was before that big seminar that they, yeah, uh, where yeah. Ash kind of tanked that seminar uh, big time. And, uh, but no, she's, yeah, yeah. she's great. And uh, she is such is an, she, okay. Well, well, they she, make scared, her, she scared the crap out of Ash, who terrible. also had thyroid disease, which was, I was sort of, so I call Christine. Like, so for Christine and Tom, they're like, here, just try this heroin. Just try, just sniff a little bit of it. It's no big deal, it won't hurt you, just try it. And now I'm like, oh, every Sunday, Monday, like, and then this one with the pillow talk thing, she has to watch that. Oh, so you do the pillow talk. The whole goddamn thing all over again. So I was oh a big God. fan of the people's couch. Too. I can't, I can't do the pillow talk. I can't, I can't do, I think, <laughs> I think the walking dead made that popular. Cause the walking dead had a show called the talking dead with Chris Hardwick. And I think that's what made those like after shows, like they realized they could capitalize on it all over again. Yeah. It, it actually, there's many incarnations of this idea. Uh, but there yeah. was a, just one show. What was the one called where they just showed people watching reality shows? On the couch or the something? People's couch. People's couch. People's couch. couch. Yeah. With my friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With my friends that I took on Below Deck with me. Yeah, yeah. Wait, you know the people from Below Deck? She went on Below Deck. I was on Below Deck. My One of my psychics, psychic mediums paid for a group of us to go, and we are doing a podcast with the, the guys from the People's Couch, ah. and he, I, she says, I have to take some people on the cruise. Yeah. I go, mm. who do you want? And had a really good time, but it was $50,000 for her cash. Yeah. And they just racked her over the coals. They made her look so bad and she was so angry afterwards. Yeah. And I, I came out okay. I, I was pretty boring as a guest, but, um, no, well, hang on, hang on. I was, it was also the highest rated one. I just want to let you know. What, who's on. your captain? Mark what Cronin season? is a friend. Captain Lee. Okay. And it's the one where they're with all the psychics. And psychics. Oh, I think they, I remember. They replay it like every month. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm sure I watched it. What? I'm sure I watched it. Yeah. Well, there were there were psychics telling them, you know, if they would be dating, and and she and then she they made Rebecca seasick, so she would throw up in her cabin, and they filmed that. Yeah. And yeah. It was it was very very 
fun. It was a really fun trip, but it's a beautiful ship. Love that they gave us amazing food and all we wanted to drink. And um, this, the psychics were all sober, so it didn't matter. So um, Mark Cronin, but he, he Mark thinks Cronin, that I did something Mark Cronin wrong. is the executive producer mm -hmm. and just creator. Can't. He's a friend of mine. And he pulled me aside and he said, I, I protected her. Don't, you're not going to see. You're not going to see anything bad on TV. I made sure of it. A guardian, so a guardian angel. I, I'm of sorts. I'm good at not being in front of the camera. Yes. Well, I, everybody else wanted to be in front of the camera the whole time. I'm kind of the producer type. I like to be behind the scenes. I was actually producing one of the one of the pieces when Cindy was giving a girl the reading, and she's like, "I don't know what to do." I was like, "Just do it." So they liked me, uh, uh, but it was a fun. Trip. Yeah, no, that's that's so interesting. That's so interesting. I love these reality these reality. Do you guys watch a lot of TV? You guys watch a lot of reality shows? Or just you get well, now now that we're now we're stuck you know with COVID, we'd watch more than we normally would. Yeah. She reads a lot of books though. Yeah. Just, have you I gone into sure. back episodes of 90 Day Fiance? Have you gone like to like I, I really want to I want to go back and see who all the people are on the pillow top. You got now you, I've got to go do that. There is no greater couple than Danielle and Mohammed. Do you know Danielle and Mohammed? Uh, which one are they now? So Danielle is the American. Mohammed is from Tunisia. And, uh, I mean, I don't want to spoil anything just in case you go back and watch it. But it is. They are the greatest couple. The greatest couple. Oh, okay. To ever grace the stage of 90 Day Fiance. They're happy or they're... Oh, no. Are they cool guys? No, it, it, it imploded oh, okay. big time. It imploded... They're cool guys. Big time. And they're, they, the reunions were... Uh, uh, oh. toxic and it was all the hostility I want to host those reunions or something I'm pissed that I don't get to host them I mean they I mean it would me yeah listen those reunions make teen mom look like uh, I know, a, a, I know. And a and kindergarten be, squabble be, and trust me they could be done differently and more intensely you have my vote Dr. Drew I would love I would love your take on each one of these people's uh, relationships and yeah. about the part I said about Avery I don't I, she just looked bad on TV. Drew was like, "What is wrong?" She's scaring the crap out of Ash. That's you know, sure. she had she had it. She has a history. She has she has uh, children, um, and that creates a weird. Idea. From the very beginning, my issue with that was, I don't see how this is ever going to work because he has kids in Australia and she has kids in Washington, yeah, and there's somebody has to abandon their child for this to work out, and I don't see how that's yeah. ever going to happen. No, right. no, it's impossible without abandoning your child. You got you to remember these are these are reality shows. I'm sure she shared with you a lot of the stuff is yeah. sort of manufactured, and the producers are nudging this and that. And I, I can kind of see the producers' hands at work in a lot of these things. They have to be nudge. I mean, like yeah, Tiffany, isn't she the one Which that one Tiffany? isn't Tiffany the African American girl with the cool? Oh wigs yeah, and... yeah, with uh, the guy in uh, Jordan. Jordan, Jordan yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't know that one. How do I not it's know that one? It's a good one. She's married, and then she's married she's, and hiding that. She's trying to make oh, his dang. parents fall in love with her, and she's not Muslim. Yeah. yeah. And she's African American, so sometimes the finger wags a little bit, and she gives them the look. But yeah. but they're so cute together. I mean, what a beautiful couple. But I can see how they're infatuated with each other. But it's really a tough situation. Yeah. Culturally, my, and the fact that they don't know she's married, but they're going to find out when the season comes out. My my favorite is easy. oh, and I heard the Mass Singer is You're, coming back. I saw it. Oh, is oh, Mass Singer coming yes. back? I don't know how they're going to. I, I mean, I don't know how they're going to do it. I guess you can't be on there twice, right? So, <laughs> no, or, or, we won't. I, I, I did. I came back last season. I did a little something, a little appearance. Oh, did you? Fun. Oh, cool. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. So <laughs> I do want to ask for some, free. I do want to ask some medical questions because I could actually talk yeah. about 90 day fiance for the entire 
uh, a day. I could. Should I leave? No, no, stick around. No, oh. <laughs> absolutely, no. stick around. I feel like you want to She's leave. She's trying to escape. I know. <laughs> let her escape. I um, won't answer. I'll just be quiet over here. Listen. So one thing that Dennis, um, Dennis prescribe about I don't know five five drugs total. Like we don't really prescribe a whole lot, but I know I've I, I've I've kind of touched on this with you with the opioid epidemic. Yeah. And the conflicted nature that I have with the patients want opioids, right? When yeah. they have an extraction done or they have anything that, that requires pain management, they want Norco, Percocet, Hydrocodone, Vicodin, yeah. uh, Oxycodone. Um, and if you don't give it to them, uh, they'll choose someone else. They'll go somewhere else. So most dentists are small business owners, right? So we we really, you know, we have to, we have to think about keeping people with us. Uh, we, we don't prescribe a lot. We prescribe, you know, 12 to 16 tabs, uh, for, uh, you know, a single extraction or even like multiple extractions, pulling wisdom yeah. teeth out rarely yeah. for root canals, but there's these procedures that, you know, cause pain and cause the need for pain management. Um, what, do you feel like there's alternatives no, no, you should you be opiates. Opiates are great for surgical pain. They should be used for the appropriate duration that you anticipate there to be surgical pain, three okay. or four days. Uh, and uh, and you're saying you prescribe 12, 16 tablets. But listen, back in when I was struggling with the opioid epidemic, dentists routinely were giving 30 and 60 or 90. Well, and, I got thirty when Douglas had his wisdom. Yeah, just, he didn't even need them. Routine. And he took one. You got to remember the the pain management world told you know told you that you should be we're under prescribing. We have opiophobia. Pain is what the patient says it is. There was this movement afoot yeah. that was insane. So there was a discipline out there encouraging dentists and others to prescribe. Now I have patients go into the dentist and tell them I'm a drug addict. I'm recovering. I'm an opiate addict. <laughs> And I've had dentists literally go, oh, good, thank you so much for me that. Here, take this tall one. Mm -hmm. And it's like, be it. But tell if, if I, I'm not, you know, people with opiate addiction still need opiates during opiate, during surgical windows, but they have to be coached up. They have to be, somebody's got to be administering it to them because they confuse anxiety and pain. Mm -hmm. They can only take it for a very brief oh, that's window. Interesting. And it will change their thinking immediately after they stop the drug. The dragon married very often gets awakening. Mm -hmm. uh, I have patients that wake up, opiate addicts wake up, say on a morphine infusion after, after surgery, and they immediately begin all the craziness. Even Shelly has a story about this. Mm -hmm. You know, the Shelly with the glasses and the blonde hair and celebrity rehab. Mm -hmm. She has a great story of, you know, three or four heroin years addict. into sobriety, heroin addict. Four years into sobriety, she wakes up after, after a big surgery. She's on morphine, immediately begins manipulating the nurses, obfuscating, bullshitting, uh, expressing anger and splitting and, and, and anticipating the next dose and escalating for more. And she knew she was doing it, but could not stop. Just by waking up on morphine infusion, which was appropriate, she yeah. needed to be on it because she'd had a bad surgery, mm -hmm. but the disease awakens. And when it awakens, it can stay awake for a while. And you have to plan for that. You have to make sure they have a sponsor. You have to make sure they have home meetings. You have to make sure they're yeah. structuring their life to deal with the potential of the, the isms coming back. Well, that makes me feel better because I always, man, I always feel like I don't want to contribute to this, but I have to manage pain somehow. And it does seem yeah. like opioids are, it's not, are. People should not suffer. It's not, right. That's not the point. But you need, you need to approach it a specific way. And you should only be doing it for the window of surgical pain.
I had a really interesting experience as a young dentist, uh, really new to the game. And I had this great mentor in the first prep where I practiced in, in Colorado. And he had about 10 years of experience. And I had this patient who was uh, super awesome to me. Um, you know, she, she told me that no one had ever understood you're her. You're the best dentist you, ever. No one has ever been as good as you. you yeah, you got <laughs> me. You know exactly where I'm going with this. Man, you are falling into the, you're either going, you're, there's two traps like that. One is borderline personality disorder. The other is addiction. Either one, you're slipping in. Well, listen, I am a lover oh. of attention. I, I mean, I love, uh, you know, the flattery is, is definitely, so um, he notices after she leaves that I gave her a prescription and I was and I told him, I said, you know, I had a really amazing experience with this patient. I think I really like, connected with her and he had seen her. <laughs> he had seen her a few times and he said, deny her drugs next time and see what happens. And I was like, what are you, are you suggesting that she tricked me? And he said, absolutely. She tricked you. She manipulated you. Oh, yeah. She fled. Did she tell you how great you are? And I said, uh, yes, yeah, she did actually. And he said, yeah, she told me that. Uh, too, when I first saw her, she yeah. told me, she told me, I mean, like, so I learned that that's how they use, you know, flattery is yeah. used to, um, again, like you said, well, manipulate. It's idealization, de idealization, de-idealization. It, it's also what celebrities do too. So if you're going to, if you're going to take care of celebrities, you have to be really careful. Like that, that's how Conrad Murray got sucked in, right? Only you can take care of me. You're the only doctor. I'm going to give you whatever you need. I got it. You got to follow me wherever I go. Now he's alone with a complex psychiatric case case there that can go nowhere but bad oh. nowhere but bad well that's really good i like that i like that that's good to know um i had another question about i do want to get into some uh some covid stuff we yeah. we are in a oh wait no susan has escaped she has escaped <laughs> i know i saw that i don't don't think she i didn't to notice plug that. in the computer we were, we were about to go dark on you okay. she's coming but back she right is, she is she's just getting she a drink is. i'll come back after you're done with this uh, so, I, I, well, this is about socialness. This is about uh, society, not really like medical. I feel, I believe like it's really easy for most people to understand how COVID comes to an end from a medical standpoint, a vaccine, some kind of herd immunity. I want to know what your feelings are about COVID coming to an end socially. Now with these, all these new social norms, uh, I mean, I don't know, like if a vaccine comes out tomorrow and COVID is no longer a threat, do we still wear masks? Do we still f uh, social distance? Can I go to yeah. a concert? Can I go back to movie theaters and, and sporting events? Yeah. Where yeah. where do you see like the end from a societal standpoint, yeah, not necessarily I, I a medical standpoint? I, it's hard to predict, right? So we're just sort of guessing here. Um, I think once the election passes, a lot of stuff will settle down, which will be interesting. That's interesting. Uh, but, yep. Yeah. But the idea of, of persistent anxiety and fear of social contact, I think, is really going to happen. First of all, there'll be a lot more working at home, right? And there'll be a lot, there'll be, you'll have a second thought before you go to a concert or a football game, right? You'll think, oh, should I really go? Not? And come flu season, cold season, I think we'll see people wearing masks. I think there'll be a lot more hand washing. There'll yeah. be a lot more awareness, I think, of infectious disease. Now, the problem is, I was talking to infectious disease uh, public health guys today. There's other vector-borne illnesses. Now we've got a custom to dealing with respiratory illness. Yeah. We're about to have bubonic plague hit. The first uh, human case was in South Lake Tahoe. We have a massive rodent problem, problem here that's going to be a vector for plague inevitably, inevitably. Yeah. And no one's thinking about all these other things that ways infectious disease get distributed through a population. 
Well, I think that's the worry is that even once COVID is maybe minimized as a threat, that there's a possibility that the the idea that this could happen again just lingers and people just continue to socially distance. Now, honestly, for me, there's some things that like I'm a, I'm married. I don't have to like I can be with my significant other um, during all this. But I wonder I wonder about like the single person, right, who doesn't have any contact with anybody. Yeah. No, I, I do too. Again, I don't know. It's, 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 it's hard to predict how it's going to play out. I mean, it's, it's inevitable that there are changes, but exactly what those changes are, I'm really not sure. I, I, young people, you know, how young people are, they feel cavalier and invincible. So I don't think it's going to change their behavior that much. I think everyone else is going to have a, like a second thought in their head before they get in close contact with people, certainly in large groups. I've heard a lot of people talk about like once the election's over and I feel the same way. And I feel like that's um, like a, Somewhere in me, doesn't that kind of suggest there's a political, there's some kind of political manipulation? There, being done? Is, there's certainly political energy around everything, and you know, never before have I, you know, people that just learned how to pronounce a medication two weeks ago have an opinion about whether I a medicine I've been using for 35 years. They have an opinion about whether I should be prescribing it. They have no GD business being involved in, in any way, but it's just because everyone's in a political frenzy that they feel they have to have an opinion about it. Yeah, they've read it on the internet, so they know everything. Yeah, that's, you know, so uh, it's it's so interesting because I feel, I feel the exact same way. Like, I think something's going to change magically after the election. I hope that's right. If, it's, if it is right, it kind of makes you think a little bit about, you know, well, what... <laughs> Was there? This seems weaponized. Like no matter what, it, that's the only completely weaponized. That's, completely weaponized. Look, it's it's a terrible flu with a high contagion. It's it's not. People are literally coming to me and go, "Is this it? Is this the species ending?" Exp-? I'm like, "What? This is, you got to be kidding!" They're just trying to flatten out a flu so we don't overwhelm the healthcare system. Right. It's nasty. So if you're 80, if you're 80, be careful. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I mean, you remember, 60 percent asymptomatic under the age of 35. Or if you're obese. Fat, or obese. Fatality rate of a Oh, one, if you're under 35. I mean, it's, it, it's, there's, it, um, people, it's, it's worthy of attention. It's not worthy of d- destroying society and being in a panic. It's over. worse than the flu, though. It is worse than the flu. It's worse than the flu. It's I'm glad you said, you. I'm glad you said that. And I, uh, you know, I, um, uh, there's a lot of cool people leaving California. And I wondered, uh, you probably have, I'm, I'm sure some of these people are friends of yours, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Isn't Corolla leaving? No. He'd like to, but he's not. He's, he's not. He's okay, I thought he was. I thought he was one of the ones talking about it. No, it's but, a, you know a lot of the comedians though are talking about say it. We yeah, a lot of comedians are talking about it, and um, everyone's talking. I don't know anybody who doesn't have a plan. Everybody's like, thinking about you know, it. They're in their forties. You don't. Yeah. You got. You got. Are you guys staying put in California? You guys, st- we think we've decided to stay put, but we were been we're really thinking old. about it. Yeah. Thinking a lot about it. Yeah. yeah. It, it's insane. It's they, they are out of control here. Listen, having we've traveled around the country a bit now and nowhere feels like California. This feels like a concentration camp. Like in what it's way? Weird. Like, well, OK, so let's let's let the listeners know, uh, like, for example, I'm in Washington state. And so what what are your limitations right now? What are what what are the government mandates from from your they, you from have, your the emperor gets on TV? The, the government gets the governor gets on TV every night and the mayor gets on TV every night and threatens you. If you don't do better, we're going to lock you down. People mm. are dying. Just this hysteria. This is terrible. And it's we have 100,000 homeless in downtown LA. Right. They don't give a well, shit about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. 
Pardon right. my friend. Right. Port, Portland and Seattle, so, we have that same issue so, too. The health the messages are so inconsistent and so um, exaggerated and then so hypocritical. It's just really hard to get anything from it. They, they you know, remember the um, the um, terrorism scale from green to red? Remember that dial? I do. Well, he, our mayor has produced that dial for this infection. He's, and he's holding us at orange going, I'm going to shut everything down. I'm going to shut it all down. It's like, it's like we're, we're yellow or green we can't even right get now our hair reality. Done. Yeah, you can't get your hair done. You can't eat in restaurants. You can't, you can't get you, your nails you can't done. I got my nails mask. done in New York City, though. They're open. It's the. I get it's the it's the That's where they look rhetoric they look amazing. that is so destructive. I'm still gonna get my hair done. So <laughs> destructive to be telling people they're powerless, helpless. We're gonna we're gonna control you. You're you're you know you're bad and you're not get. And when yeah. in fact the rates are going way down, the hospitalization down, death rates down, everything's down. We should be celebrating that we've got this thing under control. But it's okay to go out and be on the streets during a protest. Eight thousand right. people can walk around the well, streets. Well, that's the that's a, the you know. so the young people hear that, so they go. Well, you, I was at a protest with fifty thousand people. You told me that was okay, so I'm gonna have a house party. No, that's the hypocrisy. Exactly right. Everybody and just recently in Seattle, they had a march in person to protest the ability to uh to have mail-in ballots for the election because it's too dangerous to go to a voting booth in person so they had an right. in-person <laughs> march right. it doesn't make exactly. any it's almost like this is a world that i if i could choose not to live in it i, I would choose not to live in it but i'm going to go out and, and so my my fear is look, we, this, this is a serious outbreak a lot of people get hurt we need to take it very very seriously and, and the fact that the health messaging has been so screwed up really bothers me i mean as you mentioned love line a half hour ago and that's all that was with health messaging yeah so we know exactly how to do it and back to there's been research on it since we did the show not on our show so much but on how to get young people to change their health behaviors and guess what mm -hmm. relatable source a case of a young person that they can relate to a narrative as a story arc and a little humor then it kind of gets through anything else I like, I like that as an excuse. There we go. All right. Dude, guys, thanks so much for bearing with me. I don't know what... <laughs> my, my producer, Lowell, says that there was news of a solar storm that's supposed to be messing with a bunch of electronic stuff today. Oh, yeah. Oh, you wow. guys are probably having thunderstorms Solar storm. Solar storm. Yeah, something wow. something like that's that. Right. Who, knows? Who knows? That's right up there with murder Here hornets and, and fire tornadoes. Uh, <laughs> and on par with... <laughs> On par with uh, 2020. Oh my God, murder hornets. Where are they now? Well, there was only die? like there was only like two or three confirmed sightings, and Washington was murdered? supposed to be a high, a hot, a uh, 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 hot site. Anyways, where were we before we left off? Somewhere. Yeah. I don't know. We were talking about uh, health messaging. I'm not moving. Yeah. So uh, uh, listen, I, I I love I love your take on on this on this stuff because everyone seems to be. Uh, weaponized towards one ideology or the other. And it seems like you, you form your opinion based on your favorite politician, which is like akin to, uh, you know, judging your opinion based on which WWE wrestler you like the most, Macho Man Randy Savage or, or right, Ric Flair. Right. And if you're a Ric Flair exactly fan, right. you hate everything that Macho Man says. And, and that seems <laughs> to be, and then you make opinions on, you know, incredibly complex topics like hydrochlorazine or, you know, hydrochloroquine. Or what you know, whatever the the new thing might be, and we're in a you know a super complex situation that I believe, based on death count and hospitalizations, uh, 
we're making it through. We're doing it. There are some yeah. tra- there are some tragedies along the way with any like with any. No, we should be celebrating the progress. Yeah, really serious progress. And the masks are working. The distancing is working. Guess what, everybody? That stuff works. Keep doing it. Excellent. Yes. No, and we got eighty five percent of Americans wearing masks. And there's always going to be a certain percentage of people that are just going to do whatever the hell they want to do. Right? They're going to yep. buck That's the system right. and just I'm not. Doesn't matter what you tell me to do or who. T- I'm not going to do it because I don't want to be told what to do. So Atlanta's not wearing masks. Oh really? Not as- yeah, not we as much. There. It was a little, little, was not, I was a little wishy washy. More yeah. pushback there. California looks better now. I was actually. California, everyone's wearing masks, but they're wearing it because in New York, they're wearing masks because they were frightened by what happened. Yeah, yeah. Here, wearing masks, they, they were not wearing masks because we're so gyms. tired of the government preaching, you know, bearing down on us that a certain percentage of people are pushing back. Yeah. 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 I wear a mask just because I don't want to mess with people who want to tell me I shouldn't or shouldn't be and it's easy uh-huh. and I'm a dentist anyway so I usually have a mask in my pocket anywhere yeah. I go so I, I, it, yeah. I've been wearing a mask since before it was uh, the cool thing to do anyway, I remember and- you said on our show that you were going to be ready for this with all your PPP stuff is that what they're called PPP, PPE personal PPE protective PPE equipment stuff and the it the loans the PPP I can't mm-hmm. anyway so it, you I mean do you have to like wear hazmat suits to work now and it, there's a couple I mean, you're already there's just sanitized. a there's just a couple of additional pieces of PPE that dentists need to be cognizant of but most dentists are already wearing face shields of some I mean you wear a surgical mask plus you know some kind of eye protection and you basically got right. your entire face covered anyways gloves. and that's what we've always been gloves so that's what we've always been doing and for the most part, dentistry has been not changed. And, we're, you know, there's no there is zero evidence that there's any pockets of flare ups or viral, you know, hot spots coming from a dental office. And right. So- that that is that is science that whenever they mm-hmm. say we've got to follow the science, you've got to study what certain locations see if there are any outbreaks. That's right. it. No. OK, good. But early I on, go back to the dentist. Yeah, er, early on in the in the epidemic, uh, in the pandemic rather, uh, you know, dentists were kind of closed. We were kind of shut down uh, to a certain extent. Most states said stop practicing dentistry, uh, and right. so and so we were kind of affected in the in the beginning. Slowly, each state has kind of gotten back to where they need to get to. But there was an early article, uh, and it was a no name website. It wasn't. Uh, it was just someone's opinion, like an op ed piece that put dentistry in one of the top three high-risk categories, dentistry and dental, <laughs> dental hygiene. So it made everyone super scared, but you know what wasn't in there was like uh, a nursing home uh, assistant, which, oh, would, which, which seems right. like that's way higher risk based on where yeah. the deaths were coming from, from the, in the very beginning. And 100%. so from, from the beginning, I was like, well, I'm sorry, but dentists, dentists are a model of infection control in general, yes, they are. we are, so are nail salons. you know, we are at the highest exposure, but not the highest risk. And that tells you our exposure, absolutely super high, but our, our risk is not high based on the science of where these outbreaks occur. Absolutely. In New York, it was funny that I remember Cuomo one day was like, well, now look at our infection rate amongst the first line, you know, caretakers in an ICU. It's like 4%. And if you stay at home, it's 16%. We're sure doing a good job with our first responders. Like, no, 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 no. It's because masks work and because they're using the PPEs and you're making people stay home where transmission occurs. Yeah. Is this like you're, you're, yeah. you're requiring the people stay in the environment of transmission. It's crazy. And that's one of the things I said. There's a lot of people who say masks don't work. 
and I don't masks aren't a hundred percent effective. I don't. No. It depends on the type of mask no. you're wearing, obviously. You wear it on your chin. Or yeah, 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 right. Blow <laughs> no, your nose. Like people do. It's not going to work. Considered to be less effective. <laughs> yes. But uh, for me, it was it was the evidence of my own experience, which was I've always worn a mask, and I've never, and I'm around all kinds of infectious diseases all the time, and I've oh, never well. really had an issue with that at I all. Know. So it, it, I don't have a problem wearing the mask and I feel you like- wash your hands and you, you know, it's like you just sanitize everything. Yeah, I don't worry that I'm gonna die from COVID-19, but I also don't wanna get it if I can yeah, if I can try. Yeah, so that's kind of my- I had, H1, I had H1N1, it was brutal. Oh, I brutal. bet, yeah. Now, yeah. well, um, listen, I don't wanna take up too much of your guys' time. You guys have been fantastic and you've been so uh, gracious to come on and spend some time um, with me. I think this could be considered as like definitely a date night for you guys, as far as uh, <laughs> checking checking that box off. That sounds she's all made up for it. That's so right. Go. That's right. Um, Good idea, Brady. Right, date night now. Yeah, let's go. Now okay. have some now have some all drinks right. and enjoy the rest of the night. Um, yeah, well, I'll do that anyway. Listen, <laughs> I uh, thank I you for having us. It was really a pleasure. I I appreciate the invitation. Yeah, what's the best way for people to uh, be involved with with your projects? Is it your what, what's the I didn't want to well, butcher butcher this part of it. All the shows are available at drdrew.com that Drew does. And also uh, we have a long list of Dose of Dr. Drew's on youtube.com slash Dr. Drew. You, but you'll find all the links on drdrew.com if you want to see what he's been up to. And he has Dr. Drew After Dark, which is more of a Loveline style show. And Love it, by the way. Well, Love it. Thank you. Yeah, it's very funny, and he and Christina P are really hitting it out of the park with that show. He has the Adam and Drew show, which is the legacy of the uh, podcasts, Dr. Drew podcast, as well as the two live stream shows. If you want to come watch our live streams every day, you just go to drdrew.tv, and we have everything on YouTube, Facebook, and Periscope. So, you know, we're easy to find. Just Google Dr. Drew. <laughs> You'll find it, whatever it is that you want to see. And we do want you to see the show with Dr. Brady because clearly that was an epic show for me. Um, I really enjoyed it. It was it was a tearjerker seeing the transformation and the love that was put into uh, Allison Renee's teeth. And I know she's, she loves you and she thinks well, that you're the best. She loves you too, Susan. And we should make a special note here. We should make a special note here. To do anything I can to help. Um, oh, cut off. Well, we should make a special note here that that you were super involved in in making her feel comfortable. She had a little bit of anxiety. And when I say a little bit, I mean like a ton. So she had a ton of anxiety yes. about. I'm like a having I'm everything like a cheerleader done. mom. I'm like, come on, get on that plane. This is this is your. She was like women, air traffic, getting her your, landed. Your she empowerment. Was, as a woman moment, she's like, I'm so scared. No, you took a listen outside and it reminds me of what I was. Susan was texting with me, texting with it. Allison, making sure that everyone was comfortable, that we were all on the same page, make sure communicating she didn't take too many of the pain pills. I mm -hmm. want to make sure she didn't take one and yeah. then forget and take another one and not show up somewhere. But, you know, I'm really concerned about that as well. But she was she went through it with flying colors. I mean, she you did. Great. You She's done great. Did She's not completely out of the woods yet, but the hard part's basically done. And, and now we're going to make everything. She's very happy. For she's very she, yeah. And she, she's, she's fantastic. Um, nice. listen, uh, can't thank you. Can't thank you guys enough and definitely go check out Dr. Drew TV. Uh, he's got all kinds of great guests that come on. Um, before I forget, I almost forgot. We got a secret word to do and then we'll adjourn. 
for the for the day. Um, we need to do a secret word every week. We do a secret word that's worth five hundred dollars in my dental office towards whatever procedures you may want or need. Um, I wanted to give it to Dr. Drew and Susan to come up with a secret word. I was wondering if you guys have a secret word for us. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna intro this. Okay, I'm gonna intro this. Okay, you intro this. Okay, ready? Yes. You ready? Yeah, go. And and today's secret word is aligners. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, listen, we're going to use the word aligners. I want people to, to email the word aligners to drilledpodcast at gmail.com. And the first person to do that gets $500 of free work towards anything they oh. need. And if you can't use it yourself, we allow people to gift it to somebody else and on their behalf. So the Keep word is aligners. Oh, you can gift it to somebody. If anybody, yeah, it's just okay. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So all of our listeners, mostly for local people who are around us. I mean, I guess if you want to fly in to get five hundred dollars of free work, yes, of course. I suppose you could do that. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense, depending on where you are. I would do that. Well, you can come by anytime to see Doctor Brady. Hey, hey, we we would welcome that, and we you can get your nails done here. God, if you were my dentist, I'd. Whoa. I'd be in there every week. Easy, easy. easy. <laughs> Sorry, Drew. <laughs> He's cute. Aww. Listen, you guys are cute. Uh, so uh, thank you so much. I appreciate you uh, standing through all the little cutouts here. But I wish you guys the best, and I hope to um, connect with you guys again very soon. Bye-bye. Sure.